0: This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by the Nature Publishing Group. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Newborn screening is a mainstay of public health practice and has been in use now for decades. As a result, such screenings already include the most obvious conditions for which we have good tests and effective interventions, says Anne Como. She's deputy director of the New England Newborn Screening Program and professor in the Department of Pediatrics at UMass Medical School.
1: On some level... Some might say that uh, newborn screening has hit all of the low-hanging fruit and the disorders that are clear-cut case definitions that are recognizable in the newborn period and whether or not we know something is treatable. Most of those kind of easy disorders where there's a good easy test for them are probably all on the newborn screening list. Dr. Como wrote a commentary in
0: the journal Genetics and Medicine. She was discussing a new study by Melissa Wasserstein and her colleagues, also published in the journal Genetics and Medicine. Dr. Wasserstein is chief of the Division of Pediatric Medicine at the Children's Hospital at Montefiore and an associate professor of pediatrics and genetics at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. The research focused on newborn screenings for lysosomal storage diseases, or LSDs, these can appear in infants and early childhood, but sometimes the diseases don't appear until adulthood. The current study was inspired by Crabbe disease, another LSD, which was mandated in New York in 2006. Kind of
2: the moral code of newborn screening is to screen for diseases that affect children, that affect babies, that are life-threatening or cause serious morbidity or mortality in children if they are not treated. Once we start screening for something like Crabbe disease, where we're picking up these kids who are likely not to have any symptoms until they're adults, starts to make you think, are we screening infants for adult onset disease? Is that the right thing to do? Or is this something that maybe we shouldn't be doing because people have the right to choose if they want to know that they're going to have a disease or not, if they're at
0: risk to have a disease? LSDs make an interesting test case for diseases that can have a later onset.
2: So I think that there is kind of a shift in the paradigm of what newborn screening can do. You know, the traditional moral paradigm is to do it for pediatric onset, infantile onset disorders, but now that we can screen for diseases that are later onset and these particular disorders have FDA-approved treatment, it seems as if there really could still be a nice benefit for people who know early so that you could treat them, even if it's not when they're an infant, if you can treat them when they start developing symptoms to help prevent some of the really serious and complicated manifestations of these disorders. So we're kind of looking at switching the paradigm a little bit, and the lysosomal disorders that are on our pilot screen are all diseases
0: for which there is an FDA-approved treatment. Previous screenings of LSDs were de-identified, so while they showed that tests can indeed pick up genetic markers of the disease, there was no way to know what happened to the asymptomatic newborns from childhood through adulthood. This study, on the other hand, involved more than 65,000 newborns in New York City. All the parents went through a verbal consent process, understanding that this is research, and that they may find out that their child tested positive for a disease that may not show up for decades." Of the 65,000 tested, 69 newborns screened positive. Of those, 23 were true positive and all for late-onset disease. Eight were carriers and six are undetermined and will be followed. This long-term analysis is critical, says Dr. Wasserstein. I think it's really important to know, first of all,
2: does it really help people who have later-onset disease to know that they have the disorder well before they have any symptoms? Is it helpful for their health? Are there any risks to knowing it? Is it extra stressful? Does it cause any kind of psychological impact? any issues with insurability, et cetera? So this is the kind of data I think we need to weigh their risks and benefits when we're we're dealing with these these kind of disorders. Um, And the only way we're going to get that information is by studying and querying and asking families and eventually the children themselves if it's the right thing to do.
0: On a larger scale, Dr. Wasserstein says that the study shows it's feasible to do such consented newborn screening studies. This will allow them to pilot other such studies in the future as the medical profession expands newborn screenings.
2: It's really important to have a place where you can pilot the disorders rather than just implementing them into a routine mass huge newborn screen. It's good to be able to study them in a controlled way and get that data. Even though the study was small first go-around, we're hoping to expand it and to become just a pilot platform So if there are other studies or other disorders that are amenable and and are being considered, we can pilot them using our structure.
0: Dr. Como agrees that such pilot structures are key. She's one of the people in charge of the Massachusetts screening program, which is also consented. Dr. Como thinks the study design in New York was well done and that it offers an additional model for how to perform such newborn screening pilot studies before new screens are added to a mandatory screening program.
1: All of these studies with the short-term and longer-term follow-up have a good deal to contribute to the field. Number one, uh, the feasibility of being able to do such a study. Number two, the accuracy of the testing. Is the blood spot testing good? The feasibility of connecting these babies in a timely manner with the clinicians that they need to see What it has not yet, and none of these studies have yet, but will contribute to the future, is the long-term outcomes. These disorders are fairly rare, and it's going to take some time to collect the data that are necessary to know whether or not this is really a good idea or really a bad idea. For screening. The good thing is that they didn't
0: uncover any terrible harms. Such harms could theoretically be derived from unnecessary
1: or harmful treatment. That's important because that would be the first thing that would hopefully show up early and be something that uh, would give an advisory committee pause about whether or not they recommend newborn screening for these disorders.
0: Overall, Dr. Como says the study helps move the field forward, and it's an example of the type of research that should continue.
1: I mean, I think the good news is is that um, technology is bringing forward lots of opportunities for uh, new discoveries. So many of us in newborn screening will be doing more sequencing, and those kinds of data will allow us hopefully, to see more genotype-phenotype relationships that will help us to understand better which disorders work well for newborn screening and whether or not there need to be other screenings set up for other kinds of later onset disorders or how to handle this. It's just, I am of the ilk that more data is generally good, so long as We are clear with people about how we are generating that data, when it's done for research, and how we can sometimes use research data to drive clinical practice. But until we have full answers, we're still doing research. And I I think that's a good thing.
0: Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by the Nature Publishing Group. I'm Cynthia Graber.